topic of our discourse Satya this evening is Satya Papadita Sutta Part 2. And this Satya Papadita Sutta in English known as Fallen can be found in the in the book of the force and there of the Anguchanikaya and there it is the second discourse. Now to refresh your memory, allow me to briefly read out Satya the discourse and Satya then we shall go into further details. Ant Sawati, O monastics, O lay retreatants, one who does not possess four things is said to have fallen from this Dhamma and discipline. What four? One who does not possess noble virtuous behavior is said to have fallen from this Dhamma and discipline. One who does not possess a noble concentration is certainly said to have fallen from this Dhamma and discipline. One who does not certainly possess noble wisdom is said to have fallen from this certain Dhamma and discipline. And finally, one who does not possess what? Noble liberation. Noble liberation, this is correct, is said to have fallen from this Dhamma and discipline. One who does not possess these four things is said to have fallen from this Dhamma and discipline. Then the discourse goes on to mention the opposite, namely, but, O monastics and lay retreatants, one who possesses four things is said to be secure in this Dhamma and discipline. What for? One who possesses noble, virtuous conduct or behavior is said to be secure in this Dhamma and certain discipline. One who possesses noble concentration is said to be secure in this Dhamma and discipline. One who possesses noble wisdom is said to be secure in this Dhamma and discipline. And finally, one who possesses noble liberation is said to be secure in this Dhamma and discipline. One who possesses these four things is said to be secure in this Dhamma and discipline. The discourse ends with a short Satnagata, namely, Collapsed and fallen, they fall away. The greedy ones come back again. Done is the task. The delightful is delighted in. Happiness is reached by happiness. Translation is, as mentioned already yesterday, by Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi. Now, when you look at Satna, this discourse, it seems like a pretty straightforward and simple discourse. You would probably agree. Yes. Yet, there is more to it then meets the eye at first glance. Now, when you look at this certain discourse, there is mention of three things 
that then eventually lead to um, noble liberation. And you know, those three things are noble virtue. Yes. Noble concentration. Yes. And noble wisdom. There you go. So those certain three things, if one possesses them, if one is endowed with them, leads to you know, noble possessing, being endowed with noble liberation. Now, what you find in uh, this discourse, in terms of its structure, one way or a description of the path leading towards liberation. Is this the only description that the Buddha has used? No. It is not the only description of the path leading to liberation. On other occasions, he has highlighted uh, some additional points or some you know, simply placed the emphasis uh, differently. Now, noble virtuous behavior, noble concentration, and certain noble wisdom correspond to what? Correspond to? Ah, not so bad. Indeed. Correspond, but before we get to this, corresponds to the three trainings. The training in virtuous conduct, sila seka in the Pali scripture language, the training in concentration, samadhi seka in the Pali scripture language, and the training in wisdom, banyatna seka. Now, as Achan Kimakotna rightly is certainly saying, one can look at certainly these three or interpret these three aspects of virtue or ethical conduct, of concentration and wisdom as being parts of the Eightfold Noble Path. And in the course of this discourse, we shall take a closer look at this very aspect. Now, but before we do this, allow me to highlight one more point, namely, when a retreatant is not possessing, is not endowed with virtuous conduct, can we assume that certain concentration will arise? It will not. We cannot assume this. And not being endowed with virtuous conduct, can we assume that intuitive wisdom will arise that eventually will lead to liberating wisdom? We cannot assume this either. This is correct. And so one, one virtuous conduct is the foundation for the arising of certain concentration, which over time becomes noble concentration, and the concentration in turn then uh, is the prerequisite, um, the concentration plus the early and being established in virtuous conduct, those two are the prerequisites for the arising of intuitive wisdom. And only when there is intuitive wisdom based on concentration, based on um, being established in virtuous conduct, will lead to uh, liberation.
Now, in yesterday's Satyan discourse on the Papadita Sutta, aspects Satyan related to uh, virtue were dealt with, namely the negative consequences of immoral conduct, dusila, being a bad conscience or the arising of remorse, then the four, having to deal with the four dangers or fears, namely the fear of self-blame or self-criticism, the fear of being censored by the wise, the fear of being punished by the authorities, and finally we have the fear of falling into a state of loss. Apart from that, A mind that is ready to transgress bodily as well as verbally will mm, not be a mind in which faith will be present, effort will be present, mindfulness, concentration and wisdom will be present. Now, there are yet certain further consequences. If one enjoys entertaining a mind that is filled with unwholesome states and is ready to transgress and certainly to um, disregard ethical and rules of ethical conduct, then this will have further. Then it is quite likely that over time one will seek the company of like-minded people. And this is very nicely described in a discourse given in the Samyutta Nikaya, its 14th collection, discourse number 24, entitled Unconcentrated at Sawati. O retreatants, o, or O monastics, O no, retreatants, it is by way of elements that beings come together and unite. Those lacking faith come together and unite with those lacking faith. The shameless with the shameless, those unafraid of wrongdoing with those unafraid of wrongdoing, the unconcentrated with the unconcentrated, the unwise with the unwise. Those having faith come together and unite with those having faith, those having a sense of shame with those having a sense of shame, and those afraid of wrongdoing with those afraid of wrongdoing. The concentrated with the concentrated, the wise with the wise. Translation again is by Venerable Nebiku. Body. So, if we delight in unethical conduct, sooner or later we will find ourselves in the company of like-minded people who also delight in unethical conduct. On the other hand, if we delight in ethical conduct, sooner or later it will end up in the much more peaceful company of fatna people, 
of like-minded certain people. Now, when you look at this Papatita Sutta and its main ingredients, namely virtuous conduct, concentration, and certain wisdom, you will see that certainly there is a certain a similarity here, namely between those three and the Eightfold Noble Path. And the Eightfold Noble Path, consisting of three sorry, major aspects or groups, namely the Sila group, the virtue, the group of virtue, Sila Khanda, or Sila Aggregate, then and consisting of right speech, samawaja, right satna, right action, samakamanta, and satna, right livelihood, samajiwa. Then, secondly, we have the so called concentration group consisting. Samadhi Khanda, consisting of right satna effort, samavayama, right mindfulness, samasanti, and right satna concentration, samadhi. And the third group consists of just two uh, aspects or path factors, namely right view, samadhi, and samadhi. Here's nothing other than uh, wisdom, intuitive wisdom, and uh, more precisely, you know, the wisdom consists of the wisdom that sees the Four Noble Truths and right certain you know, thought, you know, Sama Sankapa. So when we are possessed with noble, virtuous, certain conduct, then we will fulfill the sila aggregate or sila group, the virtue group of the Eightfold Noble Path, and with this will we tumble away helter and skelter from this Dhamma and discipline or not? We will not. But instead, we will be secure in this Dhamma and discipline. Now, if that is the case, then will this be to our gain or not? It will. In which way? By me? Yes, that's correct. Wisdom, yes, and liberation, that's correct. And in terms of our standard, standard as a human being, will our standard be high or low? It will be high. Indeed. So we will be of a high standard. Um, in terms of um, virtuous conduct, whereas someone who is not possessed um, in terms of ethical uh, conduct will be of a low, inferior, base uh, standard. Now, The definition of Dhamma that was certainly given yesterday already, the most basic definition states that this Dhamma uh, will is that which 
uplifts us, which will support us, which will elevate us. And when we are possessed of um, virtuous conduct, indeed our standard in, of life in terms of ethical conduct will be uplifted, will be elevated. And that clearly will be to our gain. Now, the next Satna aspect, Satna to be elaborated on a bit, Satna further consists of uh, well being possessed or possessing no, no, noble concentration now it was mentioned already in last night's Satna talk that a person who is not endowed with noble concentration will have a mind that is dispersed, distracted, not collected, not stable, not steadfast, wandering, not unified. And with that, if one were to practice uh, the jhana, so engage in mental development through samatha, through the meditation of calm or serenity, well, the jhanas wouldn't arise. And if one practices, as we're doing here, mindfulness meditation, as um, instructed in the Satipatthana Sutta and certainly elsewhere, well, momentary concentration, kanika samadhi, will not arise. And with this, we will fall from this Dhamma and discipline. We will not be secure in this Dhamma and certain discipline. Now, the details of this need certain um, need further elaboration or deserve further elaboration and in so doing I would like to refer back to uh, several discourses that Satna, the Venerable Saito Pandita, gave on just this Satna very topic, namely the Papadita Sutta. So, over twin a discourse, discourses, a series of dis discourses that he gave over twenty years ago. Now. When a predominant object of observation arises in our practice, such as the rising movement of you know, the abdomen or the falling movement of the abdomen or any other you know, predominant object, we will exert effort so as to ensure that the mind gets propelled, moves towards the object of observation. Now, in so doing, in exerting effort, not only will 
of the observing mind move towards certainly the predominant object of observation, but it certainly will uh, also contribute to the non-arising of so far unarisen unwholesome states or qualities. As, for instance, mentioned in the Atapa Sutta, the second Atapa Sutta of the Angotranikaya, Volume 1, Section 153, where it says, Of retreatants, there are three cases ardor should be exercised. What well, three? And we just look at the first case, namely, ardor should be exercised for the non-arising of unarisen, unwholesome qualities. And some maybe to add, ardor should further be uh, exercised for the arising of unarisen, wholesome qualities. Now, exercising ardor for the non-arising of unarisen, unwholesome mental states is nothing other then keeping unwholesome states away, keeping them at a distance, blocking akusala, unwholesomeness, and not allowing unwholesome mental states, or not giving unwholesome mental states, an opportunity to arise. And so we can say that the, the gist of ardor or energy in the context of the Papadita Sutta and also other, in other contexts is to prevent, to block or to distance unwholesome uh, mental states from arising in the stream of consciousness. And this is good or not? This is useful. Now, when we keep applying energy and certain time and again in a continuous manner, the observing mind gets propelled towards certainly the object of observation and certainly for the proper aiming is present and uh, uh, rubbing, uh, 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 the mental factor of rubbing or you know, which are, um, are also you know, present, then quite naturally you know, mindfulness will arise. And over time, that mindfulness will become increasingly sustained. And in the presence of the mindfulness, the observing mind will be in a state of confrontation with the respective predominant object. It will be in a state of being face to face with the predominant object. And that then contributes towards what? In regard to the mind and mental defilements. What's the consequence of this? Any consequence? BD, joy will arise. That might happen later on, still before that. See more clearly what's actually so. One will see more clearly, yes, you could say so. Unification. What's that? Unification. Unification, we'll get there. So, now, yes, you have another answer? Um, 
closes off opportunities for negative states to arise. Ah, there you go. In other words, the mind will be protected. It will be protected against you know, the attack by unwholesome mental states, by mental defilements. So, virya, effort, distances, blocks uh, the mental defilements. Mindfulness protects the mind against uh, um, an attack by mental defilements. And when these two mental factors of uh, virya and uh, mindfulness are present, in a continuous manner, then quite naturally the mind becomes increasingly unified, focused. It will stick to the predominant object of fertile observation and hence what will be present, which mental state? Obviously, concentration, samadhi. And so, also, concentration quite naturally arises. Now, when it comes to the relationship between concentration and mental defilements, what happens there? When concentration is present, it will do what? Keep the mental defilement, defilements away will keep them away. That is someone close to, akin to what Virya does. Concentration will? Suppress. suppress. It will suppress mm, the, as we know in the case of the mental, of the hindrances, the five hindrances. And the same thing can also be said of the mental defilements. So you have these three you know, mental factors of virya, of mindfulness, and of fitting concentration, all mm, performing mm, or, or you know, functioning in regard to mental defilements in you know, very specific ways. So by keeping defilements away or blocking them. Number one, in the case of mindfulness, protecting the mind against the attack by mental defilements. And in the case of concentration, you know, suppressing whatever is left of you know, those certain mental defilements. And here, among the mental defilements, we're no longer talking about certain of the transgressive defilements, but rather we're talking about the um, obsessive defilements, pariyutana kilesas. So those obsessive defilements, um, will they have a chance to arise or not? They will not. And with that, every time, every moment, that effort, mindfulness, and concentration are present in the stream of fattening consciousness, will the mind be pure or not? It will be pure, indeed. And so, every time this happens, will we experience A mind that could be, that in the Pali scriptural language could be described as parisuddha, namely as being clean, clear, and pure. And certainly noble, uh, at least certainly later on. Now, if you have many more, let's say if you have mm, 60 moments of effort, mindfulness, and concentration being present in the stream of consciousness, then as a result you'll have 60 mind moments of, um, the, a, of a mind that is clean, clear, and pure. Now, such a mind that is 
clean, pure, and clean, clear, and certainly pure, would you say that it will you know, lead to a noble mind, or that it could be described as a noble mind? Would you agree? Yes. And such a mind is what? A low base, certain of a low base, certain standard, or of an elevated standard. There you go. And the Dhamma proposes that it will, what? Support us, uplift us, or will cause us to fall down, or fall, fall away. Clearly, as stated already, the Dhamma will uplift us, it certainly will elevate our status. In our present connection, it, it will contribute to an upliftment, an elevation in terms of our standard as a human, as a human being, in terms of um, a concentrated mind. So the mind certainly will be concentrated and thereby of a higher standard. Now, the three mental factors of viriya, of effort, of mindfulness, and certainly of concentration, as mentioned already, are part of the Eightfold Noble Path namely the so-called Samadhi group, Samadhi Kanda. So with that, out of the mm, three major groups or aggregates of the Eightfold Noble Path, already two groups are being fulfilled. We are being endowed certainly with those, namely you know, the uh, virtue group, Sila, as well as the concentration group, Samadhi Kanda will be present, will be fulfilled. Now, if, however, some enticing object, visible object, appears, whatever it might be, and in the absence of, or out of greed, out of desire, we might want to see that object, take a closer look at it. We may want to see more and more of it. And with that, then the obsessive defilements or the obsessive defilement of greed will arise in the stream of consciousness and then will lead us to be in bondage. If, however, the three factors of the concentration group are present, namely effort, mindfulness, and concentration, then, as we have seen, this mental defilement in the form of greed, desire, etc., will simply, simply cannot arise. And thereby, our, what do you think? Thereby, will our mind get weaker or stronger? stronger? Stronger. There you go. And we aim for a strong mind or for a weak mind. We're here to strengthen the mind. Now, the same thing can be said in the case of coming across some undesirable, visible object, audible object, olfactory object, etc. Gustatory object, tactile object, or mental object. So if we simply allow the mind to roam about freely, 
And we let it do whatever it likes. We let it think whatever it likes. We allow it to look here and there, etc. So there's no, no restraint of you know, the senses. Then um, you know, this would typically lead to the arising of, or in that case, you know, then um, an obsessive defilement in the form of dissatisfaction, in the form of ill will, anger, you know, dosa will arise. However, when we do exert ardor for the non-arising of so far unarisen, unawesome states, and mindfulness is present, and concentration is also present, then this dissatisfaction has no a chance to even arise in the stream of consciousness and yet as a result of this the mind it will be clean, clear, pure and satna thus satna noble and again such a mind will be weak or strong obviously it will be strong and the same thing you know, could be said you know, when one is not knowing the true nature of formations and so, in other words, ignorance comes in. Now, with the help of viriya, of sati and samadhi, you know, this ignorance will not have a chance to arise in the stream of consciousness. And so, by diskeeping the mental defilements and certainly the obsessive fatna defilements at a distance, through uh, effort, through ardor, and protecting the mind uh, through mindfulness and suppressing the uh, defilements through concentration. With this, what would you say? Will the mind be rather all heated up, boiling, or will it be cool? It will be cool. There you go. Now, it is only when concentration is present that, in accordance with the Buddha's words and also in accordance with actual experience of the meditators, that intuitive, or that one will, sorry, that one will see the true reality of formations. One will see them as they truly are. So only when concentration is present will uh, intuitive knowledge or intuitive wisdom arise. Now, when going back, just briefly, when we're fulfilled with the aggregate of virtuous conduct, sila kanda, then with that our bodily and verbal conduct will be clean, clear, pure, cultured, refined, and noble. And with this, what do you think? Will we want to give others trouble or not? Will we work towards bringing harm to them or not? Well, obviously not. And so by being, by possessing noble virtuous conduct, our mind will be pure, clean, or yeah, will be clean, clear, pure, noble, and then of an elevated high standard. 
And with this, our standard as a human being in terms of uh, ethical conduct will uh, uh, rise. And it is comparable to um, walking up a flight of stairs, taking one more step after another. And with that, we reach ever higher uh, levels. Now, when that happens, the more we are fulfilled with ethical conduct, will we be ever greater mm, pulled by the gravitational forces of, uh, mm, of defilements, of mental defilements, or not? Not. Those gravitational forces of the mental defilements will weaken already to some extent. If on top of that we are endowed with, we possess concentration, noble concentration, without our, as we have seen, as explained earlier on, our standard as a human being in terms of being concentrated goes up, will become even, or will be um, elevated, further elevated, and mm, with this the gravitational forces of the mental defilements will decrease even further. Now, is this important or not? It is. And it's important for what, eventually? For concentration? Beyond that? Liberation. Liberation. There you go. That's it. And... When we are possessed, or, or when we are endowed with noble virtuous conduct, we're further endowed with noble concentration, then we, and certainly we, observe predominant objects as they naturally occur in the body, and certainly in the mind, we will see those formations according to reality. At the very beginning, we will see the specific characteristics of those formations, Sabawa Lakana. We will see that a particular pain is not just a general pain, but let's say a burning pain, Another sensation may turn out to be a tearing pain, and a yet another pain may turn out to be, let's say, a throbbing pain or a drilling pain, etc. And with a further careful, investi mindful investigation of what actually occurs in this body and mind, we gradually come to discern mentality from materiality, nama from rupa, and we also come to discern wholesomeness from unwholesomeness, kusala from akusala. Now, by discerning mentality from materiality, what results from this? Is there any benefit to be gained from this? If not, we can go home. Any benefit? Huh? Many benefits? Well, the main benefit is that we will be temporarily, mm, or the, yeah, temporarily, the wrongful belief 
in the existence of a self falls away, will be removed. And because we see there are only these physical phenomena or mental phenomena and physical phenomena occurring, and that's it. And so this belief in the existence of a self becomes um, no longer tenable, no longer uh, supportable. Now, when we continue to label, observe, and certainly then uh, know the various certain formations, physical and mental formations, as they are occurring, we come to know that those same mental and physical formations occur due to some supreme being or due to just coincidence or through what? Causes and conditions. That's the answer. That is great. And so, the wrongful understanding or view that formations occur due to the power of some supreme being in whatever form this being is certainly uh, envisioned, as well as the you know, wrongful belief in in chance or coincidence, those certain two you know, things, wrongful beliefs, will be um, uh, will be substituted by a correct understanding, namely of uh, cause and effect. That mental as well as certain bodily formations, nama rupa phenomena, are linked by cause and effect. Now, that is an important understanding. When we continue to keep being well-established in virtuous conduct, and we further, we continue to label, observe, and then carefully observe or investigate the predominant formations as they are occurring in the body and in the mind, as we keep on observing the rising and falling movement of the abdomen and other predominant objects, gradually we will come to understand that formations keep changing all the time. They are in a constant state of a flux. They are in a state uh, of or a transitory of a transitory nature, and without the wrongful perception of formations as being permanent gets substituted, gets replaced by the correct perception, namely that of impermanence, anicca, sanya, in the Pali scriptural language. The same thing happens when we go on observing formations and uh, we see due to the fact that formations keep changing all the time that this is actually pretty oppressive and certainly with this we then uh, experience in a very direct manner the suffering nature of formations. And this understanding then helps to dispel, or at least temporarily, dispel the perverted, wrongful perception of formations as being conducive to happiness, namely Sukha Nasanya. So instead of Sukha Sanya comes Dukha Nasanya. The same thing then goes in terms of our perception of formations as being identical with the self or under our control. 
and that perception gets rectified when in a very direct manner we see formations occurring of their own accord due to conditions and hence the preferred perception of Atasanya, namely that certain things um, are happening according to our whims and wishes, our whims and fancies, and you know, the identification with formations, this gets substituted with a correct perception, namely that certain formations are uh, occurring of their own um, accord. Now, as we go on, carefully observing and invest mindfully investigating uh, predominant formations, there's still many other things you know, to be understood in a direct, intuitive manner. And with this, would you say that our standard as a human being is getting lower and lower and lower, or is becoming increasingly elevated. It will be increasingly elevated. And in this context, our standard of a human being as a, a, um, a person, being a person of wisdom, of seeing the true nature of formations, this standard will clearly go up. And with this, the mind will get stronger or weaker. It will get stronger. And with this, will we be fully under the influence, the gravitational influence of the mental defilements or not? Less and less so. And so, being under the influence of the gravitational forces, or being less and less under the influence of the gravitational forces, the venerable side Upanita Bhimamsa, back then, compared to a rocket that gets shot into space, at first it has to overcome very strong gravitational forces. So the first stage when the rocket uh, takes off uh, will involve a huge amount of energy. And uh, the further this rocket uh, flies or rises um, towards uh, outer space, the lesser or the smaller the gravitational forces will be until the rocket reaches outer space and at that point will be free of gravitational forces or not? It will be, yes. And that illustration very nicely corresponds to or very nicely describes what actually happens in the meditation practice and you know, us as human beings being less and less you know, under the influence of you know, the gravitational forces of the mental you know, defilements. The more we practice, the less you know, the more we practice, the more you know, the mind becomes concentrated and the more intuitive wisdom arises, we will be less and less under you know, the influence of those you know, mental defilements. Until sooner or later the moment comes when all the necessary conditions are fulfilled and you know, the mind crosses over from mundane consciousness to supermundane consciousness. And with that, uh, supermundane consciousness, which will take you know, what as an object? Nibbana. Nibbana. It will take Nibbana as an object 
and with this we will be not possessing liberation, noble liberation, or possessing being secure. Now you're secure. We will be secure. We will be secure in this Dhamma and Vinya, in this Dhamma and discipline, and we will not fall away or tumble in a helter and skelter manner from this Dhamma and discipline. And with this sadhana, then, the fourth factor, namely Vimuti, liberation, is also fulfilled and it represent or with this the um, real the occurrence of liberation from the entire field of uh, mental defilements this uh, then can be referred to as the culmination as reaching uh, the goal of our spiritual practice. And the discourse rightly ends with certainly the uh, gata collapsed and fallen. They fall away. Namely, those who are not, who do not possess noble virtues conduct, who do not possess noble concentration and noble uh, wisdom. So collapse and fall, they fall away. The greedy ones come back again. So that's said in reference to what? To whom? Well, to all of those who are not endowed with the three or four uh, aspects uh, mentioned uh, Nasila, Samadhi and uh, uh, Banya. Done is the task. This expression, done is the task, who would use this? Um, Buddha uses that whenever he talks about liberation. Uh, The Buddha and the Arahants would utter similar words. Done is the task. The delightful is delighted in happiness is reached by happiness. So by the time mm, one has gained noble path and fruition in regard to the path of stream entry, in regard to the path of once return, Sakadagami Maga, in regard to the path of non return, Anagami Maga, and finally the path of Arahanship, Arahata Maga, by that, by that time, will a being be delighted or not? Will surely be delighted because the, you know, the gravitational forces of the mental defilements are gone and happiness is reached by happiness. There is certain interpretations are being offered certainly here. One is simply the more we practice and as insight knowledge or insight wisdom arises, this goes along with an initial happiness and eventually a much profounder happiness will arise, namely the happiness that occurs in conjunction with liberation, namely liberation consisting in gaining noble path, uh, noble path and fruition connected to, in connection with the four uh, paths. And Allow me to conclude Satna today's discourse part and two of the Bhapadita Sutta by wishing that we all be 
endowed with virtuous conduct, with noble, noble virtuous conduct, noble concentration, noble wisdom that uh, culminates in noble uh, liberation, and uh, that way may we be secure in this Dhamma and discipline, Dhamma Vinya, and not tumble in a helter and skelter manner from this Dhamma and discipline. And this is it for the discourse. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.